Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Everything Kratom, the podcast about anything and everything. Kratom. Good to have you here on this Wednesday morning. Um, today, I want to look at a little bit of history in Thailand. I'm a history nerd. I uh, majored, oh, sorry, majored. I minored in history in college. Uh, my dad was a college professor at a university. So I've kind of always viewed things with a historical lens ever since I was little. It's kind of been all around me. I find it fascinating. And since Thailand recently decriminalized Kratom, I thought that maybe I'd do a little bit of a dive into their history and see if I could pull anything uh, specifically about Kratom. I wanted to know, was it illegal to begin with because of just some general ban on substances or anti-drug effort? Or was this something that was targeted? Was there a reason behind it? And I think what I found was pretty interesting. There wasn't much material on it, but enough to, you know, bring up with you all. Love to hear what you think about it. So let's dive right in. Going back to the early 1900s in Thailand, they didn't know it yet, of course, but they were coming to the end of the last of their absolute monarchs. They had uh, a royal family, and they had, you know, not just the army, but they also had a separate uh, royal army as well. And a very deep and rich culture. Yes, Bangkok is a city of strange contrasts. If you should happen to go there on an official visit to the king, he'd send a parade of elephants like this, all dressed up in cloth of gold, down to the station to meet you. And you'd ride through the streets like an oriental potentate. But when you arrived at the palace, the king, who was educated at Oxford and speaks English just as well as you do, would probably turn on his radio and tune in on your old friends, Amos and Andy. You know, they had this uh, monarch at the time, Vajiravad, who was Western educated. He was the first monarch to be Western educated. And he adopted a law in 1913 that required all Thai people to adopt surnames. And he encouraged them to adopt clothing styles based on European models and uh, to stop doing things that were really just traditionally Thai. And that actually included chewing betel nut, um, which chewing betel nut is kind of a habit of a huge portion of the world. Something like a tenth of the world's population chew betel nut, uh, which is pretty wild because I didn't really know anything about betel nut before doing a bit of research about this. So one tenth of everybody on earth, it's estimated, uh, chew on betel nut. And it's the fourth most common psychoactive drug in the world following nicotine, alcohol, and caffeine. So that's really amazing. 
I, in my research, I wasn't able to find anything about Kratom being on the list of uh, traditionally Thai habits that, you know, he uh, encouraged everyone to drop. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't part of that. So Vajiravad was also known for his splendor and extravagance and spending. And so his successor, who was his brother, inherited some uh, financial issues. And uh, he ended up having to order layoffs um, throughout government. Uh, He had to do that right at the beginning of when he took up his role as king, as well as through the 30s. The Great Depression was of course, ravaging the whole earth at that point. And these cuts and, you know, the hardships that kind of came out of that really added to some uh, discontent with the the way that the monarchy was operating. One of the groups that kind of came out of this was the People's Party. And it was based on, you know, a lot, so many parallels to Chinese history in that you know, Western educated or leaning students end up changing the country um, through protest. And so uh, that happened, I guess, in Thailand as well. Uh, But this group of students got together, they ended up forming the People's Party. And it kind of became the revolutionary group that plotted to overthrow the absolute monarchy in Thailand. On June 24th, 1932, there was a coup that happened. The coup ended up being nonviolent. They ended up doing it by getting all of the army that was not, uh, you know, loyal to the royal family and turned on them. So they finally uh, took over without um, a war. And they basically got the country to the point where they developed a constitution. And... This kind of, you know, mixed with the backdrop of World War II. A modern highway, by providing arteries of quick access to all parts of the country for armor, infantry, and artillery, is a direct contribution to military preparedness. The kind of after lingering effects of the Great Depression, the already uh, unstable fiscal status of the country uh, when the new king had taken over to begin with, All of this really combined to create an unstable situation. And the Thai dictatorship ended up embracing what was a growing uh, black opium market. And so instead of outlawing opium, it actually taxed opium. They taxed opium, they profited off of it. And the interesting thing about this, and this is where Kratom comes in, is that the opium farmers in Thailand... You know, they're working all day, more than all day, and they are chewing kratom leaves. And kratom grows everywhere, you know, in the jungle and uh, out where they're working, they had access to these leaves. And so they could use these leaves to work, um, gave them energy, took away their pain from working, made it more bearable. Well, before long, kratom use spread across Thailand, and it seem to be, you know, better to use Kratom than simply, you know, waste away on opium. And opium was obviously rampant. So uh, 
people started using Kratom. And the government realized that they were losing money because of Kratom. This this is fascinating. They actually made that connection. There is a quote from a House of Representatives member from Lampang where he says in a special meeting on January 7th, 1943, taxes for opium are high while Kratom is currently not being taxed. With the increase of those taxes, people are starting to use Kratom instead, and this has had a visible impact on our government's income. Following that, the Kratom Act of 1943 took hold. It made planting new Kratom trees illegal. Existing trees could be cut down. And Kratom was outlawed. And there were stiff punishments as well for anyone who bothered to ignore those rules. However, people still were able to access Kratom since it did grow naturally. And the tradition of using Kratom never died. The laws remained unchanged until 36 years later with the Narcotics Act of 1979. It wasn't the biggest change on Earth, but it did update Kratom as a Scheduled V classification, which I'm not quite clear on because it's still, you know, in the eyes of the government, it was still illegal. But the schedule did change it a little differently, and it's kind of the beginning of the softening of rules. Uh and regulations on Kratom in Thailand. So then you fast forward to 2018, the Thai government legalized Kratom products for medical use. And just a few years later, now here we stand, uh, it's been decriminalized. And as a result of this, there's a bit of retroactive action in the works. So up until now, possession of Kratom has been punishable by up to two years in prison. But now a lot of pending criminal cases involving Kratom are being dropped, and there are over 100 prisoners convicted of Kratom crimes that are actually going to be released from prison. It is worth mentioning that it's still illegal in Thailand to mix Kratom with other drugs. I thought it was funny that in the WHO report I was reading the other day, it said that people in Thailand mix Kratom with cough syrup to help mask the bitter taste. Uh... I mean, cough syrup tastes disgusting. Uh, So I was like, what the heck are they talking about? But uh, some people actually boil the leaves and mix it uh, with codeine cough syrup, and it's called a Kratom cocktail. So if I had to guess, I think it's for the codeine, not the taste. Who knows? Maybe for the uh, DXM in there, too. But alas... That's where we stand now. So what's the future for Kratom around the world? What's next? I don't know. But I'm sure glad to be along for the ride with you all. And I'm glad you're here too. So thanks so much for joining. There's a link to the Discord in the description, as well as a link to support this podcast if you feel so inclined. Even 99 cents would help. So... Really appreciate uh, you listening and joining me on this Wednesday morning. Have a great day, everybody.